the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The RV Show USA. Hi, it's the RV Wingman, and welcome to today's podcast. Before we begin, make sure and download my latest free RV report. It'll save you thousands when buying or selling an RV and prevent you from being ripped off. My latest report is available now at freervreport.com. The RV Show USA. Start living the RV dream today. And welcome, everybody. Glad you could join us. Alan Warren here, the RV Wingman. Pull up a seat around my virtual campfire where we're sitting around talking about RVs and camping and just good old-fashioned fun with some of today's most popular RV influencers. The RV Show USA. Start living the RV dream today. This virtual campfire is brought to you by the RV Dealers I Trust Network. RV Dealers I have personally vetted. RV Dealers I Trust. I think you can trust them too. Check them out at RVDealersITrust.com. Welcome again to the RV Show USA, everybody. If you're new to the show, a special thanks for being here. I'm your host, Alan Warren, the RV Wingman. And for the next hour, we're going to be talking about RVs and the RV lifestyle with a lot of great guests, including John DePietro from the Camper Report Show. He's caught up with a solo woman RVer named Kathy Belge. Now, Kathy has one of the top 25 podcasts in the country about the RV lifestyle called Solo Women RV Podcast. And we have a special treat for you folks who enjoy listening to very wise people. Because we have Dwayne Noel coming to us from his own campfire in Wyoming with some thoughts on how to better deal with people who may have experienced some real trauma and how those traumatic experiences may affect their families. Then on a lighter note, it's some tips from a full-time RVing couple on how to survive living together 24-7 in an RV without killing each other. Hey, don't laugh. Being that close to somebody 24-7 can be plenty wearing. So yeah, we got a lot of ground to cover, but we started off with our friend Jared from All About RVs to talk about three topics where the waters between fact and fiction can become a little bit murky. Sometimes there's uh, great advice out there, sometimes there's information, and then there's sometimes misinformation. And so today I wanted to tackle a handful, just a, a few of the misinformation things that I hear out there occasionally and give you some of the details and information behind it to help set some of those straight. The first one is never leave your gray tanks open because you can get the smell, sewer smell, up into your RV through the sink. There's a couple of reasons why that's incorrect, and if you're getting a sewer smell inside of your RV, it might mean that you have more problems and something that you need to fix 
that will be helpful to know. Just a quick side note on that, it is the best way to do that is to allow some of that gray water to be caught in your gray water tank before you empty your black water tank. That way when you empty your black water tank and you close that valve, you can then let your gray water go and it flushes out anything that was left in those pipes, kind of cleans it out and flushes it out. So that's an excellent way to do it, but you don't have to catch 100% of your water. So back to talking about those smells coming up through your sink. So each sink in your kitchen sink, underneath the bathroom sink, in the shower, there's actually a pee trap. When those are going to the, the gray water tanks, there's a little trap in there that's gonna hold water so that way none of those smells can actually come up. As long as you have water in there, the smells cannot come up in there unless you have something else wrong with your plumbing. So it's actually impossible for the gases and those smells to come up through here because of that P-trap. Now we're talking about any time that you're using your RV. If it's sitting in storage and all that water in the P-trap evaporates, you can get smells that come up through there. But if you've used it any time recently, there's going to be water in that P-trap and that's what's gonna block any of those gases and odors from coming up to smell inside the RV. Another issue you could have is we often see in RVs is we see these cheater valves or an air admittance valve uh, where you have a sink and they didn't have a way to be able to vent it. Everything actually needs a vent in plumbing so that wastewater can actually flow through those pipes. It's kind of like a, a straw. You know when you'd put your finger on the end of a straw and then you would let it go, letting that water out by releasing the top of the straw is the same way a, a plumbing vent works in a system. You need to have it open on the other end so that water can flow. Now, the reason I mention these plumbing vents is because they do terminate on the roof of your RV, so they vent to the outside, but you could get that smell that comes down into a window, but it should not terminate inside of the RV, except for those cheater vents, the air admittance valves. So we have one underneath our bathroom sink. And the way that it works is if you use the faucet and air needs to enter the system so that that water can flush down, uh, it has a little spring and a valve in there, a seal in there, so that when that air is demanded or needed, it allows the air to go through. And when that demand is gone, it seals back up. Now, if this was to fail, you had a failure in your plumbing system, you could get smells through that if you had your gray tanks open. So each one of these would actually be a, a failure or something that needed to be repaired in your plumbing system if you were getting smells inside of the RV or it's a gust of wind that's bringing it through a window or one of the, the roof vents back down in, uh, but it's not necessarily the smell of your gray tank just being open and coming up through the sink because of that P-trap. Oh, one last side note on that. Some people will create a little P-trap in their sewer hose connection outside, so that way none of the smells could even get close to the RV. Okay, the next one has to do with the RV battery disconnect. And so we've heard this from RV dealerships that they say when you get to an RV park, your destination, you're connecting in your RV to power, that you should disconnect the battery and let the converter supply all the 12 volt throughout the RV. I would actually say the opposite. If you're plugging in your RV at an RV park, leave your battery connected. For one, we're not seeing the same old converter, single stage converters that we used to in RVs. Majority of the time we're seeing multi-stage converters out there on these RVs that aren't going to overcharge your battery, isn't going to boil them over and ruin your battery. So your battery is typically going to be safe if you have a multi-stage converter inside of your RV. If you lose RV park power, 
your fridge can auto switch over to propane. You still have the 12 volt for all the electronics in there to make that happen. So it can auto ignite and it can work off of propane and none of your food spoils. And the other thing about the disconnect is they don't always 100% disconnect everything from the battery. So some things might be working off the battery. Some things might be working off the converter. It's better just to leave your battery connected to the converter and allow the whole system to work properly. Now, another piece of misinformation out there that I've heard before is adding the, the capacity of your hot water tank to your fresh water capacity. So if you had a 60 gallon fresh water tank and you had a 10 gallon water heater in your RV, you'd say that you had 70 gallons, which you're not really going to be able to have 70 usable gallons when you get out there. You have 60 in the tank and 10 that is always going to be there in the, the water heater. That's just because it's really impractical to try and use the water out of the water heater once you've exhausted your 60 gallons of fresh water. Once you've used the 60 gallons of fresh water, your pump is going to stop working. You're still gonna have 10 gallons in your water heater and you don't really have a way to use it. I mean, I, I guess you could, uh, after you've run out of water in the 60 gallon tank, you could turn off the water heater, switch it over to bypass, drain the water out of there, and then transfer that over into your fresh water tank, and then you wouldn't have hot water for the 10 gallons, but honestly, I bet hardly anybody would ever do that. So really, you still just have 60 gallons because the 10 gallons that you came out with in the water heater, you're gonna be going home with 10 gallons in the water heater when you go home. So if you have an RV salesman try and tell you it's extra capacity, that's really the, the whole story on that. Now, the last one I've heard at RV dealerships and truck dealerships, and it has to do with the, the towing capacity of vehicles and the weights of RVs. So when we bought our RV from Lazy Days, they actually did a good job with this. They, they asked our information on the truck, they wanted to check the towing capacity, the payload, and they wanted to make sure that the RV we were buying fit within the, the capabilities of that truck. But I've been on the flip side of that coin helping a friend shop for a truck and we went to a, a dealership and the salesman had no clue that there was even information printed on the door jam of the truck to the capabilities of what it can do with weight and cargo carrying capacity. Uh, had no idea that that information was there and didn't know how to help you size the truck to your RV. Now I've also seen it at an RV dealership where the guy heard diesel and he didn't even care about the size or the capabilities of that specific truck and it was just willing to sell an RV no matter what truck was there. And I've also heard people say, just get a dually and you can tow anything you want. Well, that really depends on the age of the dually because if you look at an F-350 from 2007 to 2021 and you look at the numbers, they are nowhere even close to each other. The, the 2021 has way more capabilities of what it can tow compared to 2007. That's easy to understand, but the, the important thing that I would want to communicate on this is to not just say, diesel or dually or, or whatever, is to be informed, look at the numbers and work through that process. The main thing is I want you to be informed and have those resources available so that you can make informed decisions. That's some great info for sure, and I'm hopeful that Jared cleared up any confusion you may have about those nasty smells to battery disconnects, to the towing capacity of your truck and RV combined. I'll bet if you asked five different salespeople at dealerships, what do they recommend in terms of maximum size of RV you can tow, 
you'll likely get at least three different answers. As Jared says, knowing what you can tow cannot be overemphasized. If you'd like to learn more about what Jared does, and I hope you will, his channel is called All About RVs, and we have a link to him on our website at thervshowusa.com. Helping you to learn so you won't get burned. He's back on the radio again. And welcome back to the show, everybody. Alan Warren, the RV wingman, and we are having fun today. Now, this segment is for the ladies. In particular, it's about a podcast that's geared towards women and produced by a woman named Kathy Belge. Now, Kathy owns, produces, and hosts one of the top 25 podcasts in the country about RVing. It's called, well, Solo Women RV Podcast. Now, you may wonder, are there that many solo RV women out there that live in their RV? More than you probably imagine. And Kathy is talking about it right now with our friend John DePietro from The Camper Report. You know, the reason I have Kathy on, folks, is because she and her podcast, and that is called Kathy Solo Women RV, right? Yep. Um, was named one of the top 25 podcasts about RVing not just in the Northwest or the Northeast or the Southwest, but in the entire world, because in the podcasting world, we have no borders. Tell us where you home base from and give us a little bit of your background. Uh, My home base is Portland, Oregon. I did grow up on the East Coast, but I've been out here in Portland almost 30 years now. So it's funny because out West, you have mountains. Out East, we have hills. Well, I used to think they were mountains till I moved out West. (laughs) That's exactly right. Exactly right. So give us your background. What did you do? Because you've you've only been RVing for not not a long, long time. What did you do before that? What was your career like? And uh, how'd you get into RVing? That's uh, well, I've had a long and winding career, but um, I've always enjoyed traveling. I've always enjoyed road tripping. I've always enjoyed camping. And then, you know, you get to a certain age and you no longer want to sleep on the ground. And I'd, and I'd always had this oh. fantasy of you mean tenting? Yeah, I mean tenting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've been a I've been a lifelong camper. Um, so I just you know I was always going to one of those people that was always going to the RV shows and checking them out, and eventually, I you know, um, the thing that got me into to actually like pull the trigger and get an RV was I was working a job. I was working. Um, for a little company, you may have heard of it called Airbnb. Yep. And um, yeah, I was actually one of the early, early employees there. So um, after we reached working there for five years, they gave us a sabbatical and all my friends were and colleagues were going off to Europe and Asia and all this stuff. And I decided I wanted, that was my invitation to finally pull the trigger, buy an RV and take a road trip across the U.S. West. So that's what I did. That that and that happened in um, 2018. Okay. 2018 is ago. when I bought my RV. So not that long ago. Okay. Um, yeah. So you said that one of the reasons you started the podcast is that you were looking for information about people in the same boat as you. I shouldn't say same boat in the same RV as you, and you didn't see anything about single women um, traveling alone. RVers. So you said, 
Well, there is going to be one and it's going to be me. Yeah. You know, I actually um, I have a, a degree in journalism and I have a background in in writing. Um, I was a freelance writer for many years, so I know how to interview people. And I thought, heck, I can do this. So there's a lot of women, solo women who are RVing. And there are some great YouTube channels that are out there for so- that are solo women RVers. But I didn't really find a podcast. Mm-hmm. And, and don't get me wrong. I listen to a lot of the other RV podcasts. I get a lot out of them. But I also wanted one that kind of spoke directly to what I was experiencing as a solo woman out there. Hmm. And, you know, your topics are are a wide variety of topics. Talk about some of them, because it's not just about how to change a flat when you're stuck on stuck on an interstate highway at midnight in zero degree weather. Um, a wide variety of topics. Talk about some of those. Yeah. Things. Yeah. So one of the I kind of think about what are things that I was concerned about or what are people asking me about? So, for example, a lot of people want to pursue this more of a full-time-ish. So I have a lot of information about working on the road and how to just different kinds of opportunities to make money, jobs, whatnot, that you can uh, do to support yourself in this, in this, you know, t- this lifestyle, lifestyle, I guess you would say. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's one of the things I talk about a lot. I bring guests on. That's one of the things that I do is it's a guest show primarily. Every once in a while, I'll do a solo show. But um, I like to bring people on and interview them and hear their stories. So that's one of the other things I do is I just bring women on sometimes just to tell their story, how they got started, maybe um, how being a solo woman RVer has changed their life in some way. And I've had some pretty remarkable stories on there. Um, recently, I had a woman who was agoraphobic, <laughs> so afraid to go anywhere. And um, she kind of overcame that and, and is now RVing. And I've had, uh, you know, people who have like a, a, a an empty nester, a mom who was an empty nester and just, you know, now it's time to hit the road and go travel. So just um, I like to I love stories and I like to hear how other people do it. And that's one of the things that I always talk about. There's no one way to do this. If you want to go off oh, and, so many dock, and yep. that's your thing, or if you want to RV park it, that's great. Like, um, if you want to drive and travel all over the country, yay, good for you. Or if you just want to explore your own area, that's great too. Mm. Now, Kathy, let me ask you this question. Yeah. Uh, as far as the time that you've been traveling, um, what's been, well, I'll ask you a two-part question. Yeah. Your biggest thrill and your biggest fear that you either encountered or you didn't encounter Oh, okay. Well, um, I'll talk about the fear one first. Okay. So before I head out, I had all these fears. The fears were things like breaking down and, you know, scary men, uh, you know, coming up and messing with you, um, that kind of thing. Um, But it turns out the thing that was my scariest thing and continues to be now is driving in heavy winds and getting 
blown yeah. around. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, so that's not something that you hear about. That's not something people I think, think about when they think, Oh, you're going off as a solo woman. They're thinking about, you know, all these scary things that could happen to you. And they are not thinking about the actual, like what could happen while you're driving. Yep. Um, so that was, that's been my scariest thing. And I don't drive now when it's super windy. I've pull I've, over. And is that the RV is that, you know, you find an exit or you find a rest area or whatever the case. And inside just the other day, I took our RV out of storage and drove it for the first time since November, when we put it in into heavy winds and I had to go over a bridge right near the area when I was heading home. And it almost took me over another lane. And then I realized, yeah. wait a minute, I know how to drive in the wind. Um, but sometimes the smartest thing to do is get off the road. And wouldn't you agree that that's one of the beauties of RVing is that the schedule that you follow is Kathy's schedule. Exactly. Yes. And and I love that you can just pivot on a dime and say, you know, you're going somewhere and then no, I think I'm going to go over here instead. Yep. And I've only been really solo traveling for five years, so I can't yep. really speak to that. You might, you probably know better than I do, yep. but I have heard, and I don't have the stats to back it up, but that solo women are the fastest growing group of RVers. Yep. I think you're right. I think and, you're right with that. And I, and I know for myself personally, like it took me a while to just realize, oh, I can do this myself. I don't need a partner. I don't need to, you know, somebody to come with me. It is something I can do by myself. Did you hear that? Solo women is the fastest growing segment in RVing. I didn't know that. Doesn't surprise me, though. Now, Kathy talks about, well, she talks about just about every subject you can imagine. And she has a ton of interesting guests, other solo women RVers who share their stories of adventure and the occasional crappy bumps in the road. If you've ever considered living solo in an RV, you should consider joining the thousands of fans that follow the Solo Women RV podcast. Thanks to John DePietro for always finding cool guests to visit with to help us expand our horizons. You can connect with John and his co-host Bob Zagami every week on the Camper Report on YouTube. We also have a link to him up on our website, thervshowusa.com. And thanks for being with us. I'm Alan Warren, the RV Wingman. If you are new to this show, you'll soon learn that I am a consumer advocate, but I'm also an RV industry advocate. But more than that, I try and be an advocate for truth, for responsibility. You know, with our culture and society seemingly more divided than ever, the only way I see for all of us to move forward in a positive direction is by being honest, really honest, and open-minded, Humble with the willingness to understand others and make possible adjustments, then we can move forward. Well, wingman, what does that have to do with RVing? Well, I say if you listen to this upcoming segment with the Dry Creek Wrangler with an open mind, you may see some parallels with RVing, and it just may help you understand why some things are the way they are. I've had something on my mind for quite a while now. Now, I want to preface this before I share it with you. Number one, I'm going to be talking about and to uh, men, all right? And uh, that doesn't mean that I'm telling all the women to go out on the porch. I just want you to understand that that's just where I'm at. Number two, there are some folks out there who are very bitter. 
and they're very hurt, and rightfully so. Uh, they're very defensive, and rightfully so. And if you don't stop and understand the heart with which I'm approaching this, then you're going to take this as a defense, as an excuse uh, for poor behavior in a certain segment of the country. This is not defending anything or anybody. This is not excusing anything or anybody. This is just trying to understand. And sometimes if we can understand someone else's behavior, if for no other reason, it gives us a little bit of grace and a little bit of peace to understand that. Okay. Now I'm not, my numbers, I think my numbers are pretty close, but go look them up for yourself. Check them out for yourself. Okay. And I'm not saying they're exact, but I've been doing some research and, and I think they're pretty close as long as I remember them and, and state them properly. Um, in 1865, yeah, we're going back that far. In 1865, the American Civil War ended. And the total casualty count was about 620,000. 620,000 men. I know women died in the Civil War, uh, but we're talking mostly combatants here, and we're talking men. 620,000. That was 2% of the entire population of the United States. To put that in perspective, if we lost 2%, of the entire population of the United States today in men, it would be 6,600,000 men. If we lost the same percentage today, it would be 6,600,000. That's a lot. But for a lot of those men that didn't come home, there were boys without a father. And just as important as that, Many of the fathers who did come home, or the men who did come home and then fathered children after that, uh, were damaged inside. You, if you haven't, you should do a little bit of research. Just pick two of the battles. Pick the Wilderness Campaign. The Wilderness was exactly what it sounded like, and in the middle of that battle, uh, there was a forest fire started, and the soldiers that were wounded were in the middle of that forest fire. It was it was horrific. Uh, look up the Battle of Antietam. Uh, do some research on how horrific. I mean, war is always horrific, but how bad it was back then. Then imagine if you spent four years, because they didn't rotate through in two years back then. They, when they signed up, they were there to the duration of the war, unless they got wounded and had to come home. So imagine spending four years in that hell. Imagine what that does to you psychologically. Imagine what it does to you mentally. And you come home, you go back to the farm. Uh, when you left, you had a little four-year-old son. You come back, he's eight. Four years without a father, and then you trying to get through and survive what you went through and bottle that up and just go back to normal life, raising your children, training your children, teaching your children, providing the tenderness uh, that your wife and your children need. I, I mean, there was no understanding of PTSD back then. There was no counselors. There was no, there was nothing. You just went home, you bottled it up and you dealt with it as best you could. In 1917 or 1918, we went this, into uh, the United States joined World War I. I think our casualties in World War I was like 55,000. That all had an impact. There was families back home that were impacted. They were impacted by fathers who didn't come home or fathers who came home damaged. Um, then we went into World War II. Um, our casualties in World War II was over 400,000. That's not just 400,000 men that lost their lives or were physically wrecked. That's 400,000 families. That's 400,000 sets of parents or sets of children or wives uh, that were affected. Uh, the ones that made it back. Can you imagine the kind of father that these children had come back home? 
And it's not like the dads wanted to be that way. It's not like they wanted to shut up and to close off and to come apart. But how do you deal with that kind of trauma? How do you deal with those kind of demons that keep you awake at night? The things that you saw, the things that you did, the things that were done to you, the things that you witnessed that were done to civilians. This is generation following generation following generation. Then we sent our boys off to Vietnam. And when they came home, they didn't receive a parade. They were reviled. They were spit on. They were ostracized. And then we turn around and, and we look at an entire generation. If you want to make me uh, disrespect you, if you want to make me angry, very, very angry at you, I won't say anything and I won't do anything, but if you want to drop a lot of notches in my estimation, turn around and look at some older fellow and call him a boomer with disrespect. A lot of these men came home and they had no control over their lives. You're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to do this. Don't do that. There was no control. So they come home traumatized mentally and emotionally and they walk in and there's their little kids been waiting for them and they have to keep the demons down they have to keep the violence down and, and so they turn to drugs they turn to alcohol the ones that don't turn to drugs and alcohol a lot of them they turn to their job why why did you have a whole generation of fathers that were just totally distant who did not connect with their wives who did not connect with their children who worked 16 80 60 and 80 hours a week to make a living, to make a job, to come home exhausted, to get up and go back to work again, because that was something they had control over. That was something they had a say in. That was something they could put all their focus in. So they weren't focusing on something else. And yeah, the children paid the price. And a lot of times those children, they grew up and we sent them off to war as well. You don't know. You don't know what somebody has gone through. Now, some people come out of it. Some people overcome it. They find what they need and they get through it, but a lot don't. But a lot don't. But this country has been sending the men of this country off to war for generations, for decades. And these men have gone. And if they didn't die, they come home and do the best they can and try to pick up and raise the next generation, which we then turn around and send off to war. And then those poor kids come back and what do we do? We don't help them. They don't get help. They're damaged psychologically. They're damaged emotionally. But yet they have to raise the next generation of kids, which we then turn around and send off to war. And so, yeah, we had a generation that actually had a little bit of peace. They didn't have a lot of raisins, but they had a little bit of peace, and they had a chance of prosperity. They didn't know what to do with it, so they went for it, and they got it, and they succeeded. And maybe their kids will not have to go through what they went through because of their parents. And so poor decisions have been made. But, folks, decisions are not made in a vacuum. We don't make decisions in a vacuum. We make decisions based on who we are and our history and our raisins, which means the history of our fathers and our grandfathers and our great-grandfathers, is passed down and makes a big part of who we are. You say, Dwayne, what does that have to do with me? What do you expect me to do about it? Have some grace. Have a little bit of compassion. Stop being so judgmental on people that you don't know. Are they screwing up? You're probably so. But guess what? We're all humans and we all screw up. All right? But we turn around and we're shooting each other. Oh, look, he's wounded. Oh, look, he's hurting. Oh, look, he's emotionally unstable. Oh, look, he's not thinking right. What are we going to do? We're going to pull out a gun and shoot him. Metaphorically speaking, of course. We don't think enough. We don't try to put ourselves in the shoes of that man that's not doing right. What am I asking you to do? I'm asking you to have a little bit of grace to your fellow man today. I'm asking you to have a little bit of grace to yourself today because maybe you were raised. Maybe you were raised by one of those lost generations. Maybe you didn't give him enough credit as a dad. In the best of times, in the best state of mind, in the best emotional state there is, raising kids ain't easy. You guys don't come with a owner's manual. So what do we do? Again, we have some grace and we have some mercy. And secondly, we break this chain. 
we break this chain and we raise the next generation right as best we can. His name, Dwayne Noel, the Dry Creek Wrangler, a real-life cowboy who spends time in the saddle every single day thinking, really thinking, and working. And he has an incredible amount of wisdom, and he's able to see things that most others can't. Now, my takeaway is that trying to have, as Dwayne suggested, a little bit of grace, having mercy on those that we don't understand, and doing it with a helpful heart is worth consideration. I'd like to know your thoughts. And I hope you'll check out his channel. Dwayne is the Dry Creek Wrangler. Hey, it's the RV Wingman. And before we roll into our next segment, I want to invite you to join me around my virtual campfire on YouTube. That's right. The RV Show USA has a YouTube channel where you'll find the video version of today's radio show. And welcome back to the show. Right now we're going to talk about something that well, may sound like a joke, but it is not. With so many people becoming full-time RVers, there is a, a lot of stress for many folks who go from maybe two or 3,000 square feet down to <laughs> 300 square feet. While full-time RVing can be great, being so close to someone every minute of every day can at times drive you crazy up now some full-time rvers phil and stacy from today is someday have got some thoughts on the subject that they're calling how to not kill each other when full-time rving so today we're going to give you tips on how to survive living in a small space the struggle is real <laughs> tip one get rid of clutter not only does it just make the space look messy and dirty, but it's really very dysfunctional. So getting rid of all the clutter in your face will actually calm you and relax you. And sometimes you need that calm. Yeah, when it's staring you right in your face, I just, for me, I just can't stand clutter. So that helps me keep my sanity somewhere, <laughs> Stacy. Get organized. That's going to help you keep your sanity. Know where everything goes in the RV. Create storage everywhere you can. Being organized and having enough storage for your belongings and your partner's belongings <laughs> are really important. So being strategic, finding those extra little storage places in the nooks and crannies of your RV will be important. Use all of your cabinet height and width. It's going to help you a ton. All right, I'll let Phil take this one since he's much better at this than I am. Clean as you go, especially in the kitchen. As most of you know, RVs don't have an abundance of counter space. I like to clean as I'm cooking. So when I'm, I'm done with an item, I put it in the sink, I'll clean it and then put it away while I'm still cooking. Others in my tiny living space don't do that. Well, we all have our own way of doing it, but when you clean as you go, and not just when, when cooking, but around the RV, when you finish with something, you have to put it away because leaving two items out in your living room can pretty much clutter up the whole space when it's small. For sanity's sake, sometimes you're going to have to create some walls. And these walls can be physical walls, auditory walls, mental walls. And they really help you kind of go into yourself and create your own space. We do this a lot. We will be in the, in the exact same space here in the living room working. I will have my headphones on. He'll have his headphones on. So even though we are together, we are totally functioning separately. And it really keeps our sanity and enables us to get through the task at hand. 
But just remember, both of you are wearing headphones at the same time, so when you start talking to each other, you may scare the crap out of each other. Or, you know, you might think you're being ignored. Yeah, ask us how we know. <laughs> Before you move into the RV, decide what each other's no compromise household issue is. <laughs> so there might be that one thing that absolutely drives you up the wall, and that can be yours, and your partner can choose theirs, and that is kind of your compromise. You're not going to get every little thing that drives you crazy nope. fixed here, but find that one thing that you just cannot deal with, and that way both of you guys can live a little more peacefully in the space. So in a nutshell, pick your battles. If, if 100%. Yeah, if, if there are some things that just you can let go, let them go. Or even if you can't let them go, maybe you should uh, try really hard. Noted. <laughs> Believe it or not, you don't have to do every single thing in RV life together. What? You, I know it's shocking. Huh. Phil, Phil would love to do that. Me, yeah, not so much. So, <laughs> so come up with some hobbies. Find some things that you love doing by yourself. Go geocaching. Start photography. Dig into history and the locations that you're visiting. There's a ton of things that you can do on your own to give yourself a little space. Yeah, nothing more than I like to go on a bike ride. Stacy doesn't like to mountain bike as much as I do, so that's kind of a an outlet for me in those instances. Yeah, and exercise are a great way to do your own thing, and yeah. it gives you a little happy hormone along the way and I need a lot of happy hormones another thing is you might want to give each other a little alone time even in the same space now I know we sit like six feet apart <laughs> but I'm in the living room she's in the dining room so mentally really we're two separate spaces office. yeah so one way you can do that is pop your headphones in, watch your movie, whatever Netflix movie you've been dying to watch that your partner doesn't want to watch. You can read a book. You can go, if you're lucky enough to have separate spaces like we do, you can go in the back bedroom, shut the door, kind of have a movie night all to yourself. Find ways to kind of do things independently even when you're together. Yeah, I like watching sports, especially football, so I will go outside and use the outside TV. That way Stacy doesn't have to hear me yelling and screaming inside the rig. I can still hear him. <laughs> A big one we tell everyone to do is create a community around yourself for your RV life. And there are a ton of ways of doing this. And when you have that community, you'll also have other people you can go do things with other than your partner. Know each other's habits. That's a really, really big one. Mine was get up in the morning, grab my coffee, turn on Sports Center, and catch up on my sports. And it was kind of loud in the morning. And blast it. But that's how I started my day. And Stacey, I'm the complete opposite. Yeah, she likes mm -hmm. to get up quietly, get her coffee, no sound. She just dives right in, and she's good to go. I just don't operate that way. So Phil's always been one of the kind of people who like to have the background noise, even when he's not watching TV, and I'm the complete opposite. I don't want the TV on. It really just <laughs> annoys me. I like the quiet. So when he was deployed, the TV was hardly on at all, and when he comes home, it's on 24-7. So this was definitely in the small space, was something that we had to compromise on, and thankfully... Phil just doesn't turn it on much anymore at all unless there's a game or something he really wants to watch, which really has kind of helped me out because I'm somebody who likes less stimulation. It just, it, oh, after a while, it's overwhelming to me. It is. I mean, I will have a game on or I'll have the TV on in general, and I may walk outside to grab something out of either the Jeep or in the storage bay, gone 10 seconds, come back in, the TV's either off or muted. 100%. Every time. And she was nowhere near the remote. She jumped up, <laughs> ran over, grabbed the remote, and turned it off. But those are the little things that now, you know, after doing this for five years, I've grown accustomed to either shutting it off or muting it myself before yes. I walk out, out of courtesy for her. And other things to think about as far as your routine and your habits is, are you an early morning person? Do you like to stay up really late? Um, what are your habits as far as coming and going in the RV? All of these may disturb your partner. So one of the 
things that I like to do is I sometimes like to get up early and go for a run, but Phil usually sleeps a little bit later than me. So I'll do simple things like pull all my workout clothes, put them in the living room so when I get up, I can get dressed out here. I don't have to worry about my light on my phone or digging around and stuff to wake him up. I just have to work on shutting the door when I leave because sometimes I'm like, I'm in the groove. I'm already leaving, walking out the door and go, wham. And of course, what does it do? Bling. The no, whole RV way. is shaking. Yeah, it feels like somebody just hit us on the side or something. But it's little things like yeah. that, that over time, you kind of work those kinks out yep. the longer you go at you it. You just have to adapt and communicate, communicate, communicate. A big one in RV life is agreeing on RV purchases <laughs> before true. you buy that next must-have RV item, especially if it takes up a lot of space because once you bring that in, something's going to have to go out. And is it going to be your something or your partner's something? Right. And and if it's a big item that you have to move when you travel, then it's got to get added to a checklist, a setup list, whatever you have. Yeah. So there's a, there's a cascading effect that goes into bringing in, bringing in, I should say, a big item inside the RV. Let's talk about the one thing that everyone talks about but nobody wants to. And that is communication, especially when you're helping back up into a space. <laughs> that seems to be the biggest trick for couples, especially early on when they don't have their communication down yet. Yeah, it's stressful enough driving these things, but then you get to a campground and now the stress level goes up about 10 different levels because you're in a new spot, the angle's different, there's trees, there's rocks, there's people watching, and the last thing you want to do is either run it into uh, the pole, the pedestal <laughs> pole, a tree, a rock, or even just have somebody laugh at you for 20 minutes while you're backing in. So we really advise everyone to get their own communication down beforehand. And there's a couple ways you can do it. You can use cell phones, walkie-talkies, you can actually be verbal, mm -hmm. or you can give hand signals. It doesn't matter which one you decide, but know up ahead what exactly you're going to do and what your cues are. The only thing we really advise is try not to use left and right because your left is not going to be your partner's left. So try to say the pedestal side or the driver's side or the passenger side. Talk about it ahead of time. Let each other know what the goals are for parking exactly where you want to line up and then hopefully nobody's going to be sitting eating popcorn <laughs> watching the show when you back in and putting up scorecards because you failed miserably what a great segment and very very true i'll tell you recognizing that downsizing will be a lot different than most people realize and listening to phil and stacy's advice is a really great idea but which of the things they mentioned hit home with you and did they miss anything we always love to hear your comments. By the way, Phil and Stacy's channel is called Today is Someday. They started out full-time RVing several years ago, and as much as they are excellent planners, they learned along the way the importance of being flexible and the importance of effective communication with your partner. Check them out. Today is Someday. We also have a link to them on TheRVShowUSA.com. All right, they're giving me the signal to wrap it up. But before we do, to get the latest version of my free RV report showing you how to save thousands of dollars when buying a new RV and learn how to not get ripped off, you can download it right now on our website. Yes, you can at TheRVShowUSA.com. And remember, if you're looking for a great RV dealer to do business with, I hope you'll check out those of the RV dealers I trust network, providing the absolute best buying and ownership experience ever. Go to RVDealersITrust.com. And finally, a special thanks to you for joining me around our virtual campfire. Till next time, I'm Alan Warren, the RV wingman. Be safe, have fun, play nice, and don't leave your good manners at home. The RV Show USA. Start living.
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.